Should we just get this, get this beef train rolling down the gravy wagon holes? Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 96 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, I'm the bit b- b- bonanza-ist. That's it. That's just two of us today. Yep. And today is May 2nd, 2017. We have a warning before you listen. Just know anything could happen on this show. It's basically the Twilight Zone of podcasts. And yeah. also there's going to be swearing. Yeah. Just like the Twilight Zone. Much like the Twilight Zone. Uh, so if you're a child or just a person who's upset by profanity. Or creepy things. Then stop listening. All right, so first, obviously, the first question we need to address is, Where's Sam? Where is Sam? Uh, So Sam is currently undergoing a painful medical condition. (laughs) He doesn't have cancer. He's fine. He's not dying. Yeah. But basically, right now, existence is pain for Sam. He's essentially a me-seeks, a Mr. (laughs) Me-seeks. So he's he's just staying home uh, and... Not doing anything, yeah, as as recommended. Next week, assuming he's back on back back in business, uh, if he if he wants to violate his own HIPAA, uh, then that's fine. He he can tell you all about this horrible, gruesome, disgusting disease that he has. But yeah. we will not talk about it and violate his privacy. Yeah, on the podcast. Uh, he is essentially a zomboid. Yeah, though. And uh, we've also discovered, you know, we've kind of rediscovered the healing magic of video games mm-hmm. through this experience because uh, Sam can't do anything much during the days. And so in the evenings, uh, Adam and I have taken it upon ourselves to become Sam's Diablo buddies. Mm-hmm. Diablo, Diablo Diab- pals. Diabloodies. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, like when, if, you've got a, if you've got a video game to take your mind off of stuff, you can focus on it and, you know, you combine that with some really great painkillers. And you're good to go, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, in Diablo, Sam and I are playing on hardcore mode. We're playing as two uh, super beefy lady barbarians. And we just rampage across the countryside, hitting things so hard that their skin comes off. (laughs) Which I think, you know, if you're... If you're just kind of like in a general like rough spot, uh, and you just need to knock something's skin, you off. just need to hit some. You just need to hit something so hard to knock its skin off, but you don't want to actually hit something. Yeah. Uh, then you can you do it in a video game. Yeah. And otherwise, I mean, the office has been super quiet uh, because basically everybody is mm-hmm. having just a myriad just medical it's just scenarios. Yeah. Uh, everybody's <laughs> fine generally. Uh-huh. Nobody's dying, but there's just been some. It's been a rough couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> But we do. Have, we still have some news, which is uh, the humble bundle starts today. At the day we're recording this, yeah. So your yesterday, dear your listeners. yesterday. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, uh, we put crashes into humble bundle. Yeah, and in the past we've talked about not wanting to do that, and that we would like basically never do that. I think is probably what we said at the time. And we lied <laughs> right to everyone's faces. Uh, and we also didn't. We we didn't make an announcement previously that we were going to be in an upcoming bundle, mostly because they don't want you to talk about these kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, so it was a secret until this very moment. Yeah. So there's a couple points. One is, why didn't we want to do it? And the other is, why are we doing it? <laughs> I guess we have to think back to our, and a lot of what we talk about on the podcast is, is our- Re- Rethink rash, things. Yeah, well, we're constantly rethinking things and, and we're trying to, you know, come up with, we're just always asking why, why do stuff, right? And uh, when we were, we've been presented with opportunities to be in bundles on multiple occasions. Um, in the past, one of the, one of the things we've talked about is this issue of, of suddenly when you do a bundle, an enormous number of free keys just flood the market. Just flood the market. 
And the question is, does that suppress prices of your games in other markets? So if you if you put stuff up in Humble and you sell it for basically 20 cents a piece is kind of what it comes out to. Actually, like 80 cents a piece is what we calculated out as, uh, which is just free. Um, free enough. Then uh, And of course, but people are buying them in a bundle. So actually a large fraction of people who buy it don't even play it. They don't even know. They're, they're buying it the bundle for a different for game. For a different game, exactly. Or... Right. Or just because it's cheap. And so they're they, for, the they, just, they just buy that. They redeem the key for the game they wanted. Right. And then they just forget about all the other keys. Yep. So then the question is, now that you have all this this uh, this enormous number of, of cheap keys in the market that people then can go resell, is does that now suppress your ability to sell the game at the regular price or even just regular sale price on other platforms? And, uh, and that, that was one of our major worries um, was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, also just that if we sell it for super cheap so that a whole bunch of people buy it for really, really cheap when they would have been willing to buy it for less cheap, then it's basically us shooting ourselves in the foot and not being able to, to sustain the studio for as long because we've just kind of thrown away, you know, financial opportunity. Yep. So those were the main, I think, was that right? That sound right? Pretty much, yeah. We don't want to suppress the price of the game. We don't want to flood the market with stuff, blah, blah, blah. But then there's kind of the... Uh, the flip side of it, which is once we had the opportunity to be in this bundle, we're like, okay, let's, let's think through our rationale. Rethink it. Yep. And cause this is an opportunity to do an experiment. Right. Yep. And, uh, and it basically what we, what we discovered after digging around, looking at a lot of data, talking to other people who have done bundles and stuff mm-hmm. is, uh, you can almost think about the normal market of your game, like steam or whatever. Yep. As being a totally standalone independent market. Well, maybe that was the big question. Right. right? Is can Uh, we? Can you? Yeah. Yeah. And then like basically are there people who just like buy games on Steam at full price and then separately people who tend to just buy games out of bundles. Right. Um, And then also separately, again, people who just buy keys off of resellers for super cheap. Right. So the answer seems to be. Maybe, maybe, yeah. So, because because <laughs> it's the, definitely not a no, right? Uh, because the idea here is that if if it's the case that if they're just separate markets, that they're separate markets, so that when we go sell, you know, effectively super cheap um, copies of of the game on Humble, are those people who just never would have bought the game? Just period, period, ever. At, at even at a regular sale price, you know, yeah. on on Steam. Because if that's the case, then actually we don't. We just it's just we just get more players now. We just get more players. Yeah. And for a game like Crashlands, where there's no there's no really extensive online component, so it doesn't it doesn't actively cost us very much money per per uh, customer. Then even if we sell the game for really cheap, we still do better than having not sold the game at all. Yep. Uh, that, and of course, we get a lot more people into Beast Gotcha ID too, which right. is great uh, for future yep. stuff. So right. yeah. So it seems like that may be what's going to happen. Maybe. Well, we'll yeah. see. And, 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 we, and we kind of, we got this from looking at Steam Spy statistics and from talking to a few other studios uh, who were, who very kindly shared some, some data with us uh, that, that generally what the, cause the, the big question we had was, okay, well, once your, once your, your sale ends, once your humble sale ends, do you see a dip in sales on Steam or mobile or wherever else you're selling your game uh, relative to where it was before? Yes, the humble sale, right. or does it basically look the same as far as you can tell? And of course, there's a lot of noise there, so it is very hard to tell. But the if it's within noise that you can't really tell, then, then that's the probably, probably fine. fine. <laughs> the problem yeah. answer is probably it's fine. And what we what we tended to see was that uh, for the for the really popular games in the bundles, it looked like something on the order of forty to sixty percent of keys that were sold got redeemed. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the really popular ones, the less popular ones, it was it was far less. It was only like twenty percent of those. Yeah. Keys so if redeemed. you sell. 850 million keys on Humble. Yeah. You just, you're just going to get a lot of new players. <laughs> right. You're going to get a lot yeah. of new uh, so, so something <laughs> like, but but you still like 40 or 60% is then still a lot. You still know? a so lot. You still yeah. get a lot of new players in. Um, 
And then we look at Steam Spy, and so we basically look at the number of, of copies sold according to Humble, look at the activation rate according to Steam Spy, look at the before and after rates of, of the player base and so on, and then also talk to people who have more direct access to their data from their actual studios themselves. And as far as we can tell, it's probably fine. It's probably fine. And there, there was, it seemed to be that there might be a, a little bit of a dip in Steam sales in like the week following uh, a Humble sale. Um, but again... Who knows? Because we don't have enough data to really to really say. And it seemed like it recovered after that. And so, so yeah. So we, we think it actually might be totally fine. Well, and and there, I think the rationale for this came too because we noticed that when we do sales on mobile or on Steam or whatever, uh, you would think that doing a sale would again like people people who would previously have just bought your game at full price just kind of as part of your normal trickle of players every mm-hmm. day, um, they would all buy it in a big batch. And then you would see kind of like a vacuum after right. the sale. We don't actually see that. No. And, and it seems to, what that seems to mean is that basically every time you do a sale or something like Just visibility, more people hear about it. Right. Who and they're have, different people. And they're just different people. Right. Uh, and, and even those people who are willing to buy your game at some point and just haven't yet, um, who are either waiting for a sale or waiting to see it again or whatever. Uh, every time you do a sale or, or somehow get, get it in front of their eyeballs, they still have to make the decision, am I going to buy it this time? Yeah. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, give them another opportunity in the future. And so that seems to be kind of the rationale for having just frequent, repeated sales of varying amounts is just to kind of remind people, hey, this exists. Are you ready yet? <laughs> right? How about now? And, and, and it really doesn't <laughs> seem like actually, I do think it probably would be true that within a single market, um, that if you did something steep enough of a sale, you could probably impact future sales. Probably. Yeah. But even then, my, my bet is having looked at all this data, now we've collected it and, and seen what actually happens. Uh, it's probably actually a limited, it's probably a limited effect. And, and might in the end, because if you move enough copies of your game that people start talking about it again and, and then share it with other people and so on, uh, that you still might end up actually, even on the better side, having done a steep sale. Yeah. Uh, just by bringing more people. Well, now what I'm, now what I'm curious about are these sort of free app of the day or free app of the week concepts, right? Which Which we've also been presented with. We've been presented with these opportunities and we're very dubious about, because there's a big difference between selling something for cheap and just giving a thing away. Yeah. I think an enormous difference. Um, And so we don't know about that yet. We know, no, we're not planning on it. Uh, no, and my, my gut still says, my gut no. says no. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but anyway, so that's, that's coming today. We got the humble, humble dumble. So if you, uh, if you want to get, you know, more keys for your buddies, if you've already got Crashlands or whatever, or if you played our other games and haven't played Crashlands yet, mm-hmm. you want to get it on the cheap, uh, well, now's your chance. Yeah. We would of course prefer that you get it on the expensive, but yeah. you know, you do, you do. You. Yeah. Like we'd whatever prefer you if you do. just bought the game and then also just mailed us a, a huge check. Yeah. That would also. be ideal. Um, so if you want to do that too, that's fine. Uh, we also have, uh, upcoming, we have the Scotch Shenana Jam or Butterscotch Shenana Jam. It's a, so it's a game jam. It's a celebration of our upcoming 100th episode, which this is, is 96, which is 96 so four weeks, four episodes from now. Um, and the, the jam is going to be occurring over Memorial day weekend. So it'd be May 26th through 28th. And if those of you who haven't done a game jam before, a game jam is a 48 hour event where at the start of the event, you get a theme and you have 48 hours to make a video game. And so uh, through the Butterscotch Shenana Jam, we also have a ranking system or a rating system where the participants can rate each other's games on Is that just categories. part of itch? Is that how that... It's just, yeah, it's done through itch. Okay. Um, yeah, so if you want to check out the details about it, or if you're interested, go to podcast.bscotch.net and there's just a giant thing that says Butterscotch Shenana Jam. Yep. Just click on that. You'll There's a link in there. It's just, yeah. Just yeah, so we have 82 people signed up or 82 groups or 
whatever you know, whatever, that whatever comes <laughs> right. out to be. Um, so we're, we're hoping to get at least a hundred people involved in this thing. Um, yeah. If we get a hundred people for a hundredth episode. Yeah. If we could get, if we get anywhere from like at least like 30 to 50 games come out of this thing, that would be freaking awesome. That would be stellar. Um, yeah. And so we also have a discord channel. We have like, like a community discord channel for the Shenana jam where we'll be hanging out in there uh, during the jam while we're making our games and just kind of, you know, just shooting the shit with everybody mm-hmm. who's making games. Uh, and we also plan on after the jam, uh, pulling down some of the sort of top top rated games that are uh, that come out of the jam, and do a little YouTube playthrough of them, and kind of just giving our giving our giving our critique on them and giving our feedback mm-hmm. on stuff. Um, so yeah, it should be a super fun time. And even if you've never done a jam before, you've never you know done one of these things, uh, just do it. Just do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Because like worst case scenario, worst you case- make a shitty game. Yeah. Which is still better than what you had scenario, done before. Worst case scenario, nothing. you struggle and struggle and can't even get something in the end that works, but we'll have learned a whole bunch. Then you, learned, you learned a bunch yeah. of stuff. And then the next time you try to do it, you'll be that much closer to actually getting it pulled off. You know? Yeah. I mean, you have nothing to lose except for literally an entire weekend, which is a lot, but still. Yeah. But it, you know, I mean, what, what else were you going to yeah, do? Yeah. What else is that for? Anyway? <laughs> Although it is Memorial Day weekend, which means probably a lot of people have family stuff and Mem- remembering things, remembering memories. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there is that. So uh, just think about it. Think about it and then do it. Go to podcast.bscotch.net, click on Butterscotch Shanana Jam, get get your hat in the in the donkey. Yeah. I would actually just say, yeah. don't think about it. Do it. Just do it. Yeah. All right. So we have a couple questions about the jam. Kulabula. Asks, oh, by the way, these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. Uh, Kulabula asks, do you sleep for eight hours per day during a game jam to restore your dangs, or is that looked down upon? Uh, yeah, it, and this is something that we, so we like to give to give give tips leading up to these things, so we're going to try to do that over the next few weeks. Um, yes. This is, this is a super sleep. important one, sleep. Actually, a game jam is not about putting your body through any kind of stress whatsoever. It's not about eating crappy. It's not about not sleeping. It's none of that stuff. It's actually taking away literally all of the other stuff. It's, it's saying, about taking crap away. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to say, I'm, you take care of all of your house stuff. You pay all your bills. You do all your homework. You do everything else that could be on your brain. And you send your kids to Disney World. Yep. Send your kids to your, your random relative or have some stranger take care of them, you know? Uh, just send, put them out in the yard. Send your, send your significant other to some stranger to take care of. You know, right. you just, you get, <laughs> or ideally have them come make a game with you. That would be best. Yeah, that would and, be best. And with your kids, you know, whatever. Bring everybody in the fold or kick them out. Those are your two options. And make sure everybody around you is supportive and knows you're buckling down and getting work done. So, so they're not going to come in and be you. like, I know you got this thing going on, but would you mind? Yeah. Because the answer is no. The answer I, is I, always I, no. I do mind. But you got to be responsible by taking care of all that stuff ahead of time. Yep. Right. So. So the idea of the jam is you basically, you just clear out the cobwebs first, which is already very cathartic and good, you know, because now you just roll into the weekend and just nothing. And you got one thing. You got one thing you to are, do. You are John Wick, you know, you yeah. have, you are a person of singular purpose. purpose and nothing's going to stop you. You're going to murder 72 games. You're going to sledgehammer a hole in your basement and you're going to get your laptop out of it. Yeah. And you're right. going to boot it up. Yep. And you just, it's game on. Yep. It's time. All right, so sleep. Sleep for eight hours yeah. a day. Sleep. Take care of yourself. Eat healthy. Even exercise. Or just eat many eggs. I mean, which, yeah. I mean, eggs are healthy, so it's fine. Yeah. To be, we, we definitely do a bad job of eating healthy during jams, but it would we be, always do It a would bad be job. better if we did. It would be better. We don't, but it would be better if we yeah. did. Uh, all right, another jam question comes from Menalus. If I don't have the ability to create a game in 48 hours. Everybody does. Could I start my game early? Come on, hand me a free pass. You said there weren't any rules. Love what you do, guys, and never stop. Never stop, never stopping. Yeah, so 
Uh, I don't think, I don't know if we said there weren't any rules. Did we? I can't remember. I haven't read the thing. You wrote it though. Did you say there were no rules? I don't think, I don't think we said there's no (laughs) rules. Uh, Yeah. So this, this kind of comes back to that, that question of uh, if you could, you could, if you wanted to uh, start your game now, I guess, and then just kind of crappily and slowly piece it together one hour per day over Mm -hmm. the next four weeks. Yep. Uh, you could do that. It's not. It's not going to be even remotely as interesting. And also, I think these are. This is one of those things that you have to focus on. It's also much more about the experience than it is about the product. Yeah. So, so you do have the ability to create a jam in forty eight hours, especially knowing that you, you have four weeks. Hours. You have four weeks to figure out what that even means. Right. So you can go through tutorials. You can pick up Inkscape and start learning how to get art assets put You can together. do your own little weekend jams ahead of time or your own little evening jams of a few hours of time, seeing how much can I do in a very short period of yeah. time. So your next four weeks are not for slowly piecing together some thing that you're going to then submit for the shenanigan jam. Mm-hmm. The next four weeks are for getting yourself revved, yeah. getting your brain engine, learning the things you need to pumping. know. Being creative, practicing your drawing. Yeah. And of course, do your morning pages. Yeah. You know, get up every morning and write for a little while and start and get your thoughts in order. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, you cannot do yes, this. Yes, no. Yes, no, you must make the game during the 48-hour period. So get get prepared. <laughs> Buckle your pants. All right, next question comes from Killer Pricola. Any advice for starting college? I want to oh, get- We a- sort of changed tax here. We should probably- Take a moment. Oh. So we were talking about jam questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Now we're now, just going, now we're just going into, into regular questions. Yeah, and these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. And if you want to ask, uh, you can get yourself a Bscotch ID or you can ask anonymously. Uh, but, you know, we're going to be more likely to answer if if we know who you are. Yeah. You know, then we can track you down. Right. Right. So, uh, all right. So the next question comes from Killer Percol. Any advice for starting college? I want to get into computers or criminal justice. Those are two Those different pretty things. divergent things. This kind of reminds me of when I started college and I thought I wanted to do either film or video games or exercise science. Nice. So I just kind of did just, just throw tried, darts, tried all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I ended up just taking, you know, like you do in college, several years of general education courses. Yep. And during that time, my, I just kind of, I ended up doing what a lot of people probably do, which is I, at one point I took a, a introductory course and had a very enthusiastic professor. Yep. And I was like, shit, this is awesome, right? Because it was the first time in my life that I had been taught something by somebody who cared about that thing. <laughs> right. uh, and so it was economics. Uh, and so I became an economics major. Yeah. Uh, and then later, I ran into another professor who was a super enthusiastic finance professor. Mm-hmm. And then I became a finance major also. Yep. Um, Which so, is all to say, if you're going to college with the goal of doing a specific thing, uh, that might turn out to be a little trickier than you expected. It, and you, especially you if you've be, already got two options, because that means you yeah. don't actually know. That means you don't know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think it, it depends on kind of what your what your end goal is. Um, but if you're going to go to college, I think there's an important thing to know about college, which is college isn't actually there to make you good at stuff. No, it's absolutely not. It's there to introduce you to a lot of things. And at a certain point, after a couple of years, you declare a major and which you, is the thing you're supposed to be good at. It's the thing you're, you're supposed done. to be good at, but really, um, what you end up with is, I mean, how many credit hours does it take to, to get a major, like 40 something, usually Not something like that. Many. Um, of sort of like classes that are specific to that thing. It may even be less than that. It may be like 20 something, you know, credit hours. Um, 
And it's just the case that that doing something basically less than part-time, like you're probably spending less than 20 hours a week on your major because you also have other things you got to do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for essentially like a year and a half, you know, your last your last third of college or so is just not enough to be an expert at that thing or to even or be even good very at good it. at it. Yeah. You know, uh, really, you, you really get the, the feel for things once you get out into the field and, and start having full actually, time, yeah, having yeah. actually apply things full time and doing it yep. 60 hours a week or 40 hours a week instead of 14 or whatever. So, uh, you know, if you, if you're going to college, I think there's a question of like, should you yeah, go to college? Question. Uh, cause I think it kind of depends on what your, what your discipline is. You know, you see a lot of people who go to college for art, and they end up with $100,000 of debt. And had they just spent that time just doing art, yep, they may actually have been better off, uh, be mm-hmm. a better artist and have no debt in the end. So, Or, or even just hire a single tutor yeah, uh, for those four years. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think it's increasingly becoming a question of if you're going into a discipline that demands a degree like medicine or being a lawyer or something like that, and yeah, I mean, you, you do it. You go to college because that's one of the prerequisites, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going there to get a skill like programming. Yeah, you're probably doing it wrong in you, that case. There, I don't know. I don't know if you should do it <laughs> these days. Uh, Is that I mean, bad I, advice? <laughs> well, I mean, I, so, but it, you have to know Depends why you're what doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that, to me, this is the real problem. It's not even like what is what college actually does and so on. It's that people go to college for no good reason. They just do That's it. That's why I went right. for no good reason. And yeah. I actually, I personally had a reason to go. It turned out that reason shifted once I got there. And and for me personally, it was actually a good decision to go to college. But but that was mostly because of where I went and because of why I went. And then that those things aligned together. Yep. Um. And, and so sort of like for me, everything, everything lined up in the proper way for that to, to actually work out. Um, but, uh, but even still, like I didn't really think about it the way I should have going into it. Uh, I could have gotten more out of it had I been thinking about it more clearly. And, and the question that I, d- I truly never asked myself before I went to college was just why, you know, what, why am I here? What is, what is this? I just had this kind of vague idea that I wanted to be a scientist. And so. I knew to do that, I had to learn what it meant to be a scientist. I didn't know how to find that out, but college seemed to be the next step in that direction. Uh, and and it turned out, again, because of where I went, what I was interested in, good professors, all that kind of stuff that all lined up just fine. Uh, but if you don't actually know why you're going, if you just have this sort of nebulous thing and you don't really know why. Consider uh, not. Consider not or <laughs> consider doing it later, you know, because uh, the other thing too is that. Well, debt, I mean, it's not, I mean, debt is the problem. Debt is nothing to sneeze at. No. If you've got a hundred thousand dollars of debt and you're in your early twenties, I mean, that's what you, what you basically just accumulated to go to parties and flounder around academically, not knowing what you're doing. But I mean, what people don't think about is like these student loans are like 6%. Yeah. They're fucking, I mean, a hundred thousand dollars paid off over 15 years at 6%. You're paying double or more. Right. I mean, it's crazy how much, how much you're losing. It's so. very expensive. So you, you just have to ask, what is it you're trying to get out of it? And, and, and it would, just, there is enormous value in actually what I mostly got out of my college experience, but again, not on purpose. It's just in retrospect, I got a good thing out of it, uh, was, was the general education with a focus. And mostly what I learned from, from my college experience was how to think about stuff, which is invaluable. And some of that's that mostly you don't learn by learning a skill or something like that. Right. And, and that actually, in many ways can be taught by having a very diverse uh, array of people trying to bring different kinds of knowledge to you. Cause then you have to think about them all differently. And you just learn how to think about stuff, but it's very easy to also not learn that. Exactly. Right? Cause you, you, you don't you, just get it. You get out what you put in. Exactly. Right? And, and like in all things and like in all things. Yeah. And, and I know it's certainly the case that most of my uh, classmates 
though they were going to the same courses and, and doing all that, did not get what I got out of it because they didn't do anything. Yeah, they, they, had, par- <laughs> they had parties to go to, right? Well, and, you know, so uh, I think, think about this. I guess, I guess to kind of help to answer that question though, is, is if you were to go to a bank, view yourself as a small business, right? Yeah. Cause like for most people going to college is like, it's for, it's a, it's a career move. Right. Right. It's an investment. So it's an investment. Unquote. It's a, it's an investment into your financial future. Yeah. Uh, you're going to college to get some new skills and learn new things, which supposedly will make you better off in life and open yep. up uh, new career avenues and income potential and new interesting jobs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it from that perspective, uh, if you go to a bank and view yourself as a small business and you pitch your college plan, right. right saying I plan on, you know, I'm going to be spending four years. I'm going to probably spend about 20 hours a week partying about 15 hours a week, you know, like watching Netflix. I'm going to take the minimum number of credit hours. I don't re- quite know what I'm going to do there. Mm-hmm. And then I'll probably figure out my major after three years. Yep. And then I'll kind of quickly scramble it together at the end. Uh, could I have a hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is really what you're asking for when you ask for a student loan. It's yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you wonder why is that, why is that rate so high for paying it back? Right. It's because right. Although loans aren't really risky because you can't get rid of them. You can't get rid of student loans. Yeah, no, that's another, but that's the another principal important point, though, though yeah. is you literally can't get out of a student loan. Yeah. You can declare bankruptcy. And you and still like, have a student loan. Yeah, like if you've got a house, you know, you and you got a mortgage on the house, right? The house is there as collateral, yeah. right? And so you default on your on your loans, you declare bankruptcy or whatever. The bank just takes the house back and you're like, well, fuck it, I don't have a house now. Um, but the loan is gone. Yeah. Right. Sure. Your credit's completely fucked. Everything else is fucked, but the loan is gone. But the loan is gone. Right. Right. So, uh, in, in the case of a student loan, you are the collateral. Yeah. And you're not going away. Right. Like no matter how many times you declare bankruptcy. Banks can't actually own you yet. Right. So the government can. Yeah. Through student loans. Exactly. So, uh, so anyways, this is definitely sort of off the rails of any advice for starting college, but I think, I think the advice is, well, but then it comes back to that, right? Should Which is, you? Well, it's not even that it's, it's know what you're, know what, know why you're there. It doesn't have to, it doesn't mean necessarily know like what major you're going for or whatever. It just means know what your goals are and, and pay attention to the fact that you are investing an enormous amount of time and money. Uh, even in the, even at the cheapest school, you are still investing an enormous amount of money. And then again, time, your time has value, right? So you're, you're putting an enormous amount of stuff in there and almost everybody, literally almost everybody wastes that time and yeah. they waste that money. Yeah. Don't be one of those people. Go if you're going to do it, fucking crush it. Yeah. Identify good classes. Take them, never take the minimum workload. Take, I took the maximum workload all the way through college. It was even recommended to not do it by my own advisors in my college. <laughs> uh, and They're like, are you sure you want to learn stuff? <laughs> right? hard? I know. And, uh, and to be fair, I, all I did was I ate, slept and breathed, uh, studying. Yeah, that's what you're I didn't for. do those other things actually. You know? Uh, but yeah, it was, and, and I got out an enormous amount. Um, uh, but yeah, don't, don't just do it because you're supposed to, it's way too expensive for that. Yeah. And also remember like these things that you're learning in college, um, you're not learning, you're not learning them for, for a grade. You're yeah. learning them for a reason. Yeah. So know what that, know what that reason is, yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually think about how useful all these things are. You're, you you should get so. good grades as an accident because of how pumped you are about learning the stuff that you're learning. Yeah. You should never on purpose get an A. That should literally never happen. Yeah. It should just so happen that you got an A because you're diligent and And this is interesting because, because Adam and I had sort of inverted college experiences. Yeah. In the sense that Adam went in and went really hard Mm -hmm. and I went in and 
didn't. Like, I went <laughs> right. really as soft as possible. Um, and looking back, you know, we both have the same advice. Yeah. Right. Which is Adam's Adam's looking at what he did and is like, I'm glad I did that yeah. that way. And I'm looking back and I'm like, I wish I had done it the way Adam <laughs> right. did, right? Because I just didn't get as much out of it as I as I should have. Yeah. Um, and and I barely money got, spend, right. yeah, I barely got anything out of it at all in the first couple of years. Right. Um, so, you know, as with all things, if you're gonna do a thing, do it. Yeah. Do the shit out of it and give a crap. Yeah. And if uh, you just literally have no idea what you're doing, or if you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna just ramble on and do whatever or party, whatever. Just don't go to college yet. Just get a fucking job. Learn what it means to like be an adult with responsibility and then start from there. I mean, and it, it definitely was the case that the people who I knew in college who, who crushed it the hardest and got the most out of it were those who had already had some sort of life between high school and college where they just like, they saw what the world was like and they could see how college didn't reflect that at all. Like not right. even a little bit and how, how much of an amazing opportunity it was to just be able to even go and do that. And, and effectively in a lot of ways, just kind of throw money away to, to do that because <laughs> that's, that's kind of what you're doing yeah. uh, in a lot of respects. And unless, unless you identify that and realize that so that you can now, instead of it just being a place where you dump money uh, and time uh, is now a thing where you get to choose what you're actually investing in. Yes. So yeah. Advised. Think about it. This is now an advice podcast it kind of always was well it also always wasn't there you go all right next question it might be bad advice well we have we have another learning question Mm. today's a day about learning next question comes from tilly 340 hey guys just got just got accepted into and will be attending a programming boot camp for for net and c sharp net huh wondering uh what your thoughts are on this form of education i'm a big proponent of Boots, boot camp style stuff. Boots camping. are also pretty good. Yeah. Camping, not so, I'm not that camping into, really. sucks, but boots are pretty. Dope. The outside is nice as long as it's right outside my house, so that I can walk back inside. Maybe you should look into getting into a boot glamp. Oh yeah, you know that's going to be a lot more luxurious. That's true. I would think. Try try boot glamping. Yeah. So what even is a boot? What what is a boot glamp? So a boot glamp uh, or is, camp <laughs> or a boot, yeah, we should probably actually say specifically <laughs> a boot camp. So I, I've I did one of these when I was in grad school. Uh, that was. Just fucking phenomenal. Um, but it, but a lot of this depends on, it's just like college. Anyone you go to, you're going to get out not only what you put in, but also what the thing can provide. And so uh, when I was in grad school, I went to a place called Woods Hole, which is a place in, I want to say Massachusetts, I don't know. Uh, but it's this famous marine biological laboratory. It's just called MBL. It's the marine biological laboratory, apparently. You know, the one. The one. So they just it's get like to the be one called, ring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they just get to be called MBL. You got to throw it at a volcano. There's eagles, yep. you know, whatever. It can't be destroyed except for yeah. by the fires of Mount Doom. And it's done a pretty good job because it's just like sitting by the ocean and still exists, which is always impressive. Uh, for now. For now. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but, th- but this place is famous because they have these basically boot camp style programs for, yeah, for, for sort of college level, but, but largely for graduate level and beyond actually, where they bring in professors and people who are trying to learn sort of the cutting edge of some piece of knowledge or are trying to get into a new field and need, and are like very smart people who already know a fuck ton about something who they want Which to. Which is a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. But it's, but is it imperial or metric fuck ton is an important distinction. Yeah. Well, obviously it's an imperial fuck ton because yeah. we're in the U S and exactly, you know, and we're that's how we roll. And so, uh, so you bring in people who already like, they know how to work, they know how to study, you know, and so on. And then you bring them in and, and then they, they're now taught by experts in some other field, uh, where the only knowledge that you can actually get is from those people. Cause they're the only people who actually like have it in their brains. Um, and, uh, and then you just, it's like from sun up to sundown day after day for anywhere between a week and like four weeks of just you just crushing the shit out of learning this this thing. 
Um, and so I, I did that. I did a 10 day course for, uh, for computer vision, um, but with applications in, in microscopy, cause that's what I was doing in, in the lab. And it was a blast, but like, I, I love working my ass off and stuff, right. But it was, it was literally, I would wake up, eat a very tiny breakfast, run into the, to the computer lab and then just, just power through, just do the shit out of all day, microscopy right? yeah. computer. Yeah. Vision. So then I get to the end of it and I had all these cool programs are doing weird, cool, interesting stuff. Learned a bunch of new math that I didn't know. Uh, and then, you know, it's like 10 PM rolls around. It's just pitch black outside. And then I stumble home in a confused day's state, go to sleep, wake try up. Try to sleep. I assume. Try to You're sleep. Probably exactly. yeah. up. Yeah, your brain's all just, just jazzed up. And then, you know, rinse, repeat, recycle. Right. And uh, again, it's like a game jam. It is a game jam. It's yeah. exactly a game jam. This is, this is what a, a boot camp and a jam. These are the same thing for the same reason, which is you throw your entire being into a thing and just forget everything else. Uh, and so if you do that, if you truly do that, instead of do what, again, most people do, which is do that for a few hours and then go party to celebrate how hard they worked, right? Instead of continuing to work hard, because that's the whole point. Yeah. Uh, if you if you actually do that- The hard work is the party. The hard work is the party, exactly. Uh, then, then yeah. there's the, I, I personally believe there's no better way to learn something than in, this, in the context of a jam or a boot camp, which are going to just the same. A boot camp is just a long jam. So yeah, Tilly, do that so jam. Just fucking crush it. Or boot, do that boot glamp. But my what advice would be if if you're if this is a thing that you're going to with other people instead of like an online one or something, uh, when everybody else at the end of the quote unquote work day is like, hey, what, let's go meet up at this bar and like party down. Then you just say, no, I got work to do. I got work to do. And you go crush it. You go party. Because they're going to go party. They're going to get drunk. They're going to go to bed late. They're going to get up the next morning all fucked up. And they're going to lose a night and a day. Yeah. And then the next day you've made a video game or you've yeah. invented a new type of underpants. Yep. They'll get literally half of the value out of the thing by doing this stuff. And that value compounds. Yeah. Right? It's like compound interest. If you, if you invest an enormous amount of time up front, then you just, you get to keep on piling onto that for your entire life. And so it's and actually the next extremely night, and costly. And the next night they're like, I'm not feeling very good. I'm just going to go out and party tonight because I'm just not in any condition to, to, to work. get work done. Yep. Right. And this, then the cycle begins. Yep. And then two years later, you know, you're, you're basically Elon Musk yeah. and they're still just partying. Exactly. You know? So just think about it. <laughs> just think about it. All right. Uh, next question comes from Kula Bula, who's just on a roll this week. Kula, Kula Bula says, do you think it would be good for busy humans, busy humans to design games with a four hour completion option and a long play option if possible? Uh, the sad adult choice is divorce your family or just buy two games a year and, uh, <laughs> or just don't complete games and buy all the games and not really play them. Yeah. So I go with uh, the don't complete games scheme. or I'd, I'd go with the buy and play a couple games a year. I just really enjoy them. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, well, cause the fact it, well, is games aren't that good. Well, really. like, well, no, no, I think, I think there's a bigger question here, which is, is the fun part of the game completing it or playing right. it? It's playing it. Hopefully. It's playing it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, having an option, cause it's like, well, if you design a game, with a four hour option, mm -hmm. like, so you, you take like 60 hours, you can press it down to four. Why not just You just zero? got less game now, yeah. Why not just, like, you hit play, we just show you the ending cutscene. Yeah, and then you're done. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm glad now. I yeah. finished the game. Yeah. Uh, now I can go resume not playing this game, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, so I think... So you should stop giving a shit about completing a game. And just, then just, when you find time... It's all about the journey. It's all about the journey, you know? Yeah. Just, uh, just ride that game into the sunset for six months, and then you hop on the next Or game. however long you want. Just play a game in your off time until you're tired of it and then play a new game. Don't, yeah. even, don't worry about how many games you're playing or whether you complete them. Just yeah. 
play them until you don't want to anymore. Well, I think it's there's there's an interesting that's what entertainment is for. Yeah, there's there's an interesting problem too, which is with especially with story driven games is they often don't give you a frame of reference for where you are. So like if you ever like play a Final Fantasy game. And then you pick it up like a month later. Yeah, you might as well start. You look around, you're just like, point. where the fuck am I? Yeah. <laughs> Who are these people? Yep. What am I? What level am I? What are my skills? Uh, you don't know anything. And so then you just kind of start over, right? Yep. And so that was actually something we tried to do with Crashlands was we have the the chat log, right? Yeah. So so every quest kind of we show you your your uh, previous dialogue. Some of them don't quite hit hit the mark, but for the <laughs> right. most part, we try to we try to give you enough context for things. Um, we label lots of stuff on your map, you know, we keep the, the gameplay fairly straightforward and stuff. And so, um, it's, it's our way of saying, Hey, we get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not always going to play for 40 hours at a stretch. And sometimes no. you're going to affect things. Well, then it is actually interesting because I think it's, it's statistically the case that the vast majority of people only put in, you know, a few hours a week into, into yep. any game. Yep. Uh, but games are designed for people who binge play. Yeah. Which is interesting because most people actually don't even do that. So, so why? Why is that how they're designed? It's all about it's all about those uh, mega fans, you know. Yeah. The, the loud people are the yeah, ones yeah. who have the time. That's because they they're also the ones who then sell your game. They for finish you the and, game and then they're like, "Well, I don't, what else am I going to do?" And then they go into yeah. forums and they talk about the game, and you know, it's <laughs> they're they're the people whose voices get hurt. Right. So. And it, it has always been funny. Listen, when we go talk to their game developers and they're talking about how they have some some new expansion pack or something that they worked on, and they were like, "Oh, we, we're pretty sure this adds, you know, like twenty hours of content," and you know, and they're, and they're really excited to get the thing launched. And then the next day, now a whole bunch of people have finished it. Like all the spoilers are posted. The next day. The next day because yeah. they put in 20 hours of content. That well, takes less like, than a day for somebody yeah, to Crash complete. Crashlands has anywhere from uh, like 35 to 100 hours of content, depending on your speed of play, and how, how much how much of a completionist you are, whatever. Yeah. Um, and we had people finish it. So we launched it, you know, on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And we had some people finish it like late Friday night. Yeah. So it was literally all they did. Yeah. Which is cool. For, yeah. I mean, it means we Which made a awesome. cool thing that people yeah. like, but also it's like, well, fuck, we spent two years making that and, and it's done, done in a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pace yourself. But it was also the case that by, by the end of the first week of launch, um, our most, our, you know, our, our large fraction of just the most hardcore players had all finished the game by that point, basically. Yeah. And so, so basically we just, it was just kind of this thing we worked on for two years. We launch it and a week later, just like burns everybody up. who's the most excited to buy it is just now done. Yeah. And then the questions start coming up of like, are you guys going to do an expansion? We're like, oh, we're like, we're just, so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious when people ask for that too, because the, 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 as a player, there's something that when I was playing games, but not associated with making them yeah. that I didn't really think about at all is just how many human hours went into making, just making the thing as it is Yeah, per hour yeah. of my gameplay experience. Right. Yeah. Uh, and now, now that we're on the other side of that, we can see, you know, it was three of us over two and a half years or whatever, or three years, whatever it was. Uh, so yeah, we put in, you know, something like six to nine years of human, human years, human years into this, which is a, a large number of hours. I'm not sure how many that is, but many, many. Uh, and, and then, but now a person playing it just a day and a half, it's a day and a half. They're and, done. Yeah. And most players don't, you know, the, the vast majority of players play it until they kind of get it. So they play it for something in the order of like five to 10 hours. Right. Uh, and so that means most people per hour of gameplay that they put in the, the ratio that we put into that is just. It's like Stupid. one year per hour. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's just enormous. And then they and then they followed up. Hey, can we get? And actually, many most expansion? people who ask for expansions haven't even finished the game yet. Well, that's because they don't want to finish it unless unless there's more. Because t- because again, they don't, ever they don't it. want it to be done. Right. You know. Which again is a it's good, all about that journey. Right. Which is a good thing. Yeah. I'm also all right. So next question comes from 
oh no, I'm dead. So we should. I guess we should move on. Probably move on, but we'll see what we'll see what they have to say. Uh, oh no, I'm dead. Says now that you have experimented with turning off all phone notifications, I'm curious how your various significant others feel about <laughs> ha- not having interrupt access. <laughs> also, super excited about the jam. So I guess hopefully you have all your notifications. I don't know how you're going to jam when you're dead, but there's also that we'll see. Yeah, so right. This is a reference to our last, a few podcasts, a few a few podcasts ago. ago. We, we talked about this, uh, this experiment we were doing with, with turning off. Well, we, we talk a lot about in this podcast of how we call it the hot duck challenge, the hot duck challenge of how valuable your attention is. And it's really the only thing that you possess that is of you know true value to you, right? The only thing you can, you can control, but people are trying to steal it from you all the time. They're trying to make you party. Yeah, trying to make you party, trying to <laughs> trying to make parties in your eyeballs using words and art thrown yep. up on people sending screens. you people sending you emails, people making YouTubes. Yep. People advertising yep. at your face. And it's basically people constantly and that's basically what our phones do, right? Is they is they provide a vehicle through which other people can just bother you all the time and take your attention. And so we were doing this experiment where we wanted to turn off just literally all notifications so that our phones we're just incapable of telling us that somebody wanted to steal our attention. And, and even further that you don't, you don't even have message counts. Like there's not even, you can't, if you open your phone, you won't even see how many missed calls or messages or whatever. You if have. you want to check your messages, you go check, you your just message. go look at your messages so that you just get to decide when people get to bother you. And in fact, you just actually decide they can't. Yeah. So we were doing this experiment and then I feel, I'm still doing it. It feels really good. Um, highly recommend <laughs> it. Uh, and my life has been far, far better uh, having, having started doing that. But, as as the astute question asker points out, it doesn't mean everybody else's life is better. It, it complicates, <laughs> well, and, it, and it's also. I mean, we're basically back to where we were before before cell phones. The cell phones, right? Uh, which we're old enough that we lived in those days, but we're not so old that we lived a lot, you know, in those days, right? Uh, and so, so you know, I remember what it was like back when we just you just had to talk to people and or call them at home, leave a or message just and, wait till you saw them, again. or just wait until you saw them again. And, uh, and so, so because in it, and at the time we didn't know that there could be something more convenient. Uh, and so it was just fine. That was just a thing you did, but it's funny now in retrospect, now that we can just bother people on a moment's notice, we just don't think about it. Well, it's not that we don't think about it. It's like, it's, we, we now worry about what would happen if we couldn't do that anymore. Right. And, uh, so I actually had this conversation with my wife because she, we were talking about this and she was, she was like, just what if something bad actually happens and I need to talk to you and I need to get a hold of you. Right. And, uh, and my first, my just sort of default response was, well, if something really bad happens, it's unlikely I can fix it. So like your house starts burning down yeah. while you're at work. Yeah. Call the, call, call the fire the department. Fire department. Yeah. What are you You got in a car accident. <laughs> call the police in an ambulance, right? Uh, there's still, you know, for the most part, emergencies are things you actually can't do anything about, which, so that was my kind of default response, but that still isn't a fair response because you're not just there for, as a practical individual in the case of emergencies, you're also there as a emotional support mechanism in the case of emergencies and yeah. so on. And, uh, and so I had to think, okay, well, this is, this is a legit problem, which is that there is exactly basically one person in my life who, who should you, who be able you to are intertwined me. with yeah. in all things. Right. And, and also who we can establish ground rules between each other and say, Hey, it's my, my attention is really important to me. And so I need to know that if you're bothering me, it's because something really important has happened, right? That I need to drop everything and pay attention to. So now the assumption is that an emergency has happened, but the question is, how do I let somebody bother me without also letting everybody else bother me? How do you do it? 
how do you do it? And actually, I don't really know. It turns out we we discovered- Also, I like the use of the term bother. Because that's what you're doing. You're bothering people. You know, it's important. And even if even if you're saying there's something nice, even if it's like a super beautiful text message talking about how much you love them and so on, which is great. You're the also, fact that you're, you're also telling that person, hey, you need to stop. You need to stop what you're doing and and read this and right? respond. And so it can be both bothersome and beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's just not pure, it's not mutually exclusive. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not pure negative or anything. It's just that somebody is now grabbing your attention. So that was the question. How do I? How do I let my wife say, hey, something terrible has happened. You need to come help me deal with it, uh, and allow literally nobody else to ask me for anything without my permission. And, uh, and it, actually, it turned out to be very hard to find an answer to Obviously this. you get a burner phone. Burner phone would help actually. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually we talked about, we talked about doing that of getting uh, just a Google voice phone number. That's just purely for emergency purposes and only a smaller people know. But then we realized, well, somehow spammers always get a hold of these fucking things. So that's there's true. still no way. Uh, so anyway, I was looking for, I was looking for options. It sounds like on I, on iOS, there actually is a built in solution to this, which is you can, designate certain people in your favorites or something to be able to call through even when you're on, you know, do not disturb yeah. or whatever. Uh, Android seems to have nothing like this. Uh, but Google does have an app called trusted contacts that I think they just bought from somebody Ooh. where those people can just basically push a button and it'll cause your phone to vibrate and do all kinds of shit. It'll be like, where are you right now? Right. Or, you know, so basically let, let's the person you need to know so that you can only put your contacts in there that you actually want to be able to bother you and then allow alerts for that thing only. And it's the whole thing is set up to sound like something horrible has happened. So it's perfect because nobody would ever use this for anything. For emergency. <laughs> uh, so that's is it just like a couple of predefined messages, like in a heart. No, it's stuff? not even a message. It's like all it does is it just says there's a button you can say, ask where they are right now. Right. Mm. And it causes your phone to vibrate and be like, where are you? So it's a pretty effective way to say like something's up and I, I need you to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be careful. This could become a, a cry wolf situation. That's the thing is you have to not yeah. let it be a cry wolf. Exactly. Yeah. You got to lay down the ground rules. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so it, there are ways, and I, th- and I think it's it's fair that it's fair for somebody who is super important, who uh, knows what kind of situations are worth bothering you about, yes. that they have some way to do that. <laughs> right? And everybody else just can't. Everybody else just can't. Yeah. I think that's, that's fair. That's fair, and that's that's the mechanism that I'm currently experimenting with, so we will see how So we'll report goes. back in a few weeks. Yeah. All right, so the next question comes from 30 Extra who says, I noticed that Crashlands, despite being a pretty expansive game, is only 100 megabytes on mobile. What is this devilry? <laughs> so interestingly, this is the iOS version, because the iOS yeah. version is 40 megabytes larger than the Android version, which right. is 60 megabytes. Correct. Also uh, the PC version, which is... About 60 megabytes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and most of that is actually audio. Yeah. I'd say, oh, actually... About, actually, on PC, uh, I think some, it's 90 because we have the higher quality yeah yeah so something like on the mobile version something like 30 or 40 megabytes is just audio files yep and we got like 20 something megabytes of texture pages yep and the rest is the code yep so uh it's basically just uh, we had to be real clever about stuff so anytime we had an art asset we just used it once so for example like the the arm the arm of flux is just copy pasted onto both sides. So it's the same arm on both parts of the body. <laughs> right. And if we have a piece of arm, like a, like a glove, you know, or whatever, then we have that image one time only. We slap it onto her body as like the in-game armor. Mm-hmm. When we display the item, we just use that same image, which is rotate it, you know, whatever. Yep. So truly really, we just keep any, we just use reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. We use one image for one concept yep. throughout everything. Um, and you'll also notice that, uh, when characters turn their heads, they're just flipped. So they're just mirror images. Yeah. Now. We X flip the characters. The, <laughs> the characters don't have any frames. There's no, yep. there's no frame by frame animation except for under specific circumstances. Like 
Um, the Wampet has, you know, two faces, one right. for, a, per, one for charging up its attack and, and one for just neutral. Right. Um, and so we tend to just kind of go real lean on stuff mm-hmm. and we, we like to really use a lot of, uh, programming, a lot of code systems yeah. to just make things it interesting is, and, and it bouncy. Is cool and, in the new game, um, that because, yes. so, you know, Seth, Seth's been sending us gifts and stuff of the stuff that's getting kind of animated and, and showing the characters running around and doing stuff. And much more so than Crashlands, there's there's a lot more life in these characters. Um, yeah. So that when they're sitting there, they just kind of, they're just kind of swaying. You know, idle animations. Yeah, idle animations. And, and all is done, again, with the same, you know, a character is a, is a head, a torso, one leg and one arm. And then you just make it kind of, we just dupe it and flip it. Yeah, dupe yep. it, flip it, and then make the whole thing kind of sway and move so that it feels very alive. Uh, and then you just don't need that much. Yeah, and I mean, the characters in this new game, they're doing they're doing flips. Yeah. They're doing, like, they're floating around. They're doing all kinds of, like, hand-wavy moves. Yeah. And uh, we got, I mean, we got we got some good-ass animations with it's these gonna be, characters. It's going to be really sweet. Although, and again, no frames. No frames. No frames at all. So why is the iOS version an additional 30 megabytes? Uh, there's just a lot of extra stuff that goes into an iOS uh, build because of the fact that, that Apple likes everything to be just perfect. Yeah, absolutely perfect, right? So, so that means, for example, uh, the splash screen that displays before you open up the game on iOS, it's a little loading screen, and it's like our box art. Um, but there are lots and lots of different resolutions of device, and Apple wants to make sure that they display those loading screens pixel perfect, no stretching, no scaling, nothing. And so, you need a loading screen for every combination of resolutions in both portrait and landscape mode. Yeah. Uh, so for an iPad pro, you got to upload this, you know, 2200 by 1500, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, for an iPad two, even though it's the same aspect ratio, it's a totally different image. Yep. So you need one for portrait, one for landscape, right? Yep. So it just, have tons these are of all really big images and yeah. Yeah. So there's just lots and lots of extra, um, imagery and stuff that goes with making sure the game looks presentable on the device that on Android, there's like 14,000 unique devices and even Google doesn't know what the fuck, you're not, right? <laughs> yeah. So they're just like, yeah, just hopefully you did the legwork to make sure it looks good. Which know? is funny, dude, because because that, that the expectation is for the rest of the app or the game that it just dynamically behaves properly. And if it doesn't, people just won't play it. Yeah, but yeah. for some reason, when it comes to that that loading screen, they're real precise. Right. Uh, and actually, yeah. don't we just use a black image? Not for Crashland. Not for Crashland. We have, oh, we we have box, the art. box art. Yeah. Right. Um, actually, I think we used to use a black image because, cause you could just do one image. Right. But then, yeah. Uh, but then you could, and then Times we just figured, change. well, if we have to put a thousand images in here, they might as well be good. They ones. might as well look good. Instead of just a black image. Yeah. So there's a, uh, there's a lot that goes into it, but yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of comes down to knowing what, knowing how you can use your assets and reuse them and reuse them in all kinds of interesting ways. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and it, I mean, I think it all comes from the fact that, uh, and we were talking with Tifa about this earlier, cause she was talking about how her sort of uh, perception of the relationship between art and programming in game has kind of been changing really rapidly after joining the studio. And it's because we, because when, when the studio started, Sam didn't know how to do art. And so the goal was always do as little art as possible and, and make the most out of those assets that you do have. Uh, and for, and Seth was still basically getting all of his programming chops. So it was the same deal. There it was, I need to have as few things as possible to deal with. So, uh, so then in both, both of those cases turn out to make it so that the programming and the art just have to be just mutually intertwined as much as possible. Yep. And, and that's informed our entire, our entire design. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think doing technical art is also, it's, 
it's just very different yeah. from, from doing, doing art is you just make an image. Yeah. Just an image mm-hmm. of whatever size you want. You can like scale it up or scale it down if you need to, to put it on your, on your deviant art page or whatever. Or if you're like, if you're doing it for a client, you just want it big. Right. right? And they'll, they'll like, you know, trim it or whatever. Um, and there's going to be some specs, but when it comes to something like making a character that is actually uh, four unique pieces, mm-hmm. you know, one arm, one leg, head and body. And then you're going to hand that off to a programmer who's going to just throw a bunch of weird voodoo into it and then make it start right. running around. And, you know, um, it's then, just a totally different, you're, a different you're building, you're building sort of like parts of a machine that have to obey certain rules. Yep. Right. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting challenge. Um, all right. So next question comes from map five, five, nine, seven. What's your take on people complaining about kids these days having it easy? Uh, isn't making the world better and easier basically the goal of civilization? <laughs> uh, I mean, not if Depends. I understand politicians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently it's to make life as difficult as possible for no goddamn reason. So I think this is actually an interesting question because, the, the, you know, underlying this, it's easy as I think as an older person to look at what kids are doing and say, that they have it easy because of, because of having access to certain things. Like, you know, they can, you can use Google, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I was under the age of probably 10 searching for things on the internet was not really a concept. Yeah. Uh, You just used encyclopedias, you know, you went to the library (laughs) or whatever. You'd you'd find your 15 year out of date article and that's what you have. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so there, there are things that are easier. Definitely. Yeah. But basically access to information, access to information is way easier. And also the the types of careers I think that are, that are around are more and more knowledge focused as time goes on, yeah. which means you, you know, your, your options for like not having to just work your ass off and sweat all day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those options improve year over year over year. Right. And so there are certain things that are easier. Um, also sickness there are medical options available for people yep. nowadays that just didn't used to exist. So it used to be the case and maybe you got sick with something and either you just, you just had it and that was it mm-hmm. or you died. Yep. Nowadays you get to live or be more comfortable, right? <laughs> right. Uh, both of which are better. Right. But I think there are certain things. So for example, uh, you have more access to information, but, but, but not more education to help you know what to do with it. Yes. And you also have a lot more, well, actually, I mean, there's a lot of, indication that that education has actually gotten worse right yeah. um and there's also uh, a lot more access to misinformation yes and if you and if you combine you can't that, tell the difference yeah and if you combine that with a reduced funding for education and just generally not as good schooling mm-hmm. uh, well i think i mean i think prior generations have also shown that they are incapable of identifying misinformation right so I think- <laughs> right but now there's just so much of it right, <laughs> right. there's a lot more um, yeah, and so so people have gotten more information, but they haven't gotten the critical thinking skills to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. And then also thinking about things like, you know, you, you'd hear about people in the 70s, for example, saying, oh, yeah, you know, I, I got a summer job. I, I worked uh, I worked part-time, and then I was able, college I was able to pay for my next year of college, right? right? Because college tuition goes up at... What's the annual rate? That was like 10%? Like 10% Something per year. Like and it has been for two decades, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's this thing called the rule of 70, or the rule of seven, sorry. Which if you take, uh, or sorry, the rule of 70. If you take any any percentage, it's like 10%. If you take 70 divided by that number, that's how long it takes for it to double, right? Mm. So something growing at 10% per year 
Uh, 70 divided by 10, seven, every seven years, college is twice as expensive right. as it was. Right. And, and so, if, and if that rate is different than how much more money people make, which it right. has been. And so wages, so have, really it's wages, difference that yeah, matters, and right? like wages have been flat, yeah. right? Since the seventies wages for, well, except for super, super rich people. Right. So yeah. wages for the average person have been pretty much unchanged mm-hmm. uh, in terms of buying power, which means that basically it has been twice as much, not just, more costly because that's relative, but just actually relatively more expensive. Yeah. And so, you know, you'd hear about people in the seventies, they would work part-time in the summer, they would be able to pay for the next year of college and then they could work a little bit during college. And then by the time they graduated, you know, a year or two out, they're buying a house. Yeah. Right. Because they don't have, they don't have college. <laughs> they don't debt. have debt, you know, or if they do have debt, it's like so minuscule that, you know, yep. they're just like, whatever. Uh, but nowadays you got, you got people like we were mentioning earlier, you know, you got people coming out of college, graduating with, with uh, an art degree or something, and they got hundred, $150,000 of debt, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then people get pushed into college. You know, there's this kind of expectation that you have to do it in order to be a participating member of society, yep. which is bogus, but that gets put out there. Right. Yep. And so, but also uh, when it was cheap, then that was fine. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, then it basically, it was a privilege to go, but also if you went, it wasn't going to cost you in your yeah. future, right? It was only going to be a benefit yeah. in some fashion. And now, you know, we, we are, our expectations of people haven't updated in the past two decades to reflect how expensive college now is. Right? Yeah. Um, and so I think in young people don't have the experience or the knowledge or the, or the sort of mental framework because they just haven't been around long enough mm-hmm. to be able to evaluate when a bunch of older folks tell them you need to go to college. It's super, super important. Yep. Um, they don't have the, they don't have the frame of mind to be able to go, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going <laughs> right. to do that thing that literally everybody who supposedly has more life experience than me is telling yep. me is a good thing to do. Right. Yep. So, so I think price of college makes everything shittier. Yeah. Um, and then medical things. Yeah. Like, yes. Yes. You uh, don't die anymore. You, you don't but die now anymore. You don't have any money. Now you're bankrupt. Right. Yeah. Um, and so just kind of as an example, you know, when, when Sam had his uh, couple of years of cancer treatments, uh, thanks to Obama, Thanks, Obama. (laughs) For for real, though. For real, though, actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He was able to remain financially solvent during that. But, you know, you still cost him something like $8,000 a year, something like that. Um, Which, compared to what he would have paid, which is over a million dollars. Yeah. Pretty good, right? It's pretty solid. Uh, Yeah. And so, so thinking about like, and this is like, this is actually pretty recent, right? Because yeah. the Affordable Care Act was around like 2010 or something like that. Yeah. That's like, is, is, is I actually forgot that before that people you just went bankrupt. Well, and, and also that the pre-existing conditions thing wasn't even there. Or you just didn't get to have. I forgot that that was introduced by, by Obamacare. That yeah. Before that, if, if you had cancer before you got insurance, they could just be like, nah. Yeah. And then you would just die. You would just die. You yeah. would just, and that was fine. Yeah. So to be fair, because of the Affordable Care Act, people have it better now than they did eight years ago. Yeah. Um, for now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> uh, so, so I mean, there, but it's there also are things, very expensive. There are things that are getting better, but it, it still is the case that you know, uh, healthcare is incredibly expensive, and and if you compound that with the price of paying down college debt or something yeah. like that, you know, I think there's an interesting factor in young people's lives that people from previous generations don't quite think about. It's just the sheer volume of debt that young people have. Yeah. Fucking ludicrous. It's insane. Um, and there's almost no way around it. No. Because so, you, you have to, 
you have to get medical care and you cannot get rid of your, your college debt in bankruptcy court. Yep. And usually by the time you realize maybe I shouldn't have gone to college, you've already gone. Yeah. You so, can't undo it. Yeah. And you were, uh, yeah, you were, you were, you weren't even allowed to make decisions about whether you could drink or not, but you were allowed to take on a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. Right. So when you went to college, like, what the fuck? Like, we, yeah. don't, we don't trust you to make decisions. <laughs> Because drinking, drinking is, you can't, you can't drink. What else can you, you can't vote even. You can't even fucking vote. No, you can vote at 18. Is it 18? Oh yeah, yeah that's right. You yeah. can at 18. You can, been, be dra- you can be drafted and vote. You can, yeah. You, you can, can't. You can go murder people and some, be murdered. You can vote. You can smoke, but you can't drink. You can't drink. For some and reason. I believe in some states you can't gamble until you're 21. Mm. Um, Cause you know, you, you gotta be responsible. You but, can't. You can't. You can gamble. gamble on your and your. Uh, yeah, you can. You could take on a hundred thousand dollar loan, but you <laughs> can't. You, may you can't drop fifty dollars on a slot machine <laughs> or whatever. Um, uh, and you definitely can't smoke weed anywhere. No, ever. So, because that's you know. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So I want to. I want to hit one more question. We're a little bit over time, but uh, that was one, there. That one got ominous. It did. Was there like a? Did we need to conclude something there? I feel like we just left it hanging. Well, what was so the question? It's just what's your take on people complaining about kids these days oh, yeah. having it easy? Uh, so they're wrong. I guess. They're wrong. Uh, shit's hard in different ways. Yeah, that's just the way it is. That's it, the way it's always going to be. But it, but it, the interesting thing is that all the ways that it's hard are just the fault of other people. It used to be like when you were <laughs> when you were a person, it used to be hard just to be alive because there were limited the resources. World the world was trying, trying to kill you. You, yeah. you know, yeah, like we didn't know how, we didn't have technology, we couldn't build stuff. And now, like we could have all these things resolved. Yeah, we just we just we don't. just have chosen not to. Yeah, or rather, some some older folks, some older folks have chosen, <laughs> chosen not, not to. to. Generally, speaking. and then well, then also, then younger generations are following in the same footsteps. Yeah, they, yeah, so. they they were elected. Yeah. So, hey, so we, we can do? we can never get away from the idiocy. Yep. Just have compassion, people. You yeah. know, just do that. Uh, all right, so we'll, we'll hit one more question, uh, which is from Error Code. Speaking of kids these days. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm a fan of your work. I'm also soon 14 years old and an indie dev. Oh, this is a little older question, so they might be 35 by now. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, I've released two Game Maker Studio games. I have also have a budget of zero euros. So they didn't say how many of that's, other currencies That's probably like a have. thousand US dollars. Yeah. Um, do you have any tips for indie devs or kids like me. So uh, not, not specifically like just tips for indie devs, but more importantly, younger people with no money wanting to make games. Mm. So mostly nice work starting this early. Yeah. Uh, I didn't start until I was 23. Yeah. So good on you. (laughs) So you got a leg up. You got like a 10 year lead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and if you give a shit this much now to spend your time as a kid learning hard stuff, and you're on track a craft you're fine yeah i would say there's some there's something that i've always thought is kind of cool about about making games which is it encompasses everything like yeah. anything that you can think of you can find a way to use that knowledge in game development mm-hmm. so uh psychology art storytelling music cinematography you know even just like general film um engineering obviously programming Whatever it is, uh, even architecture, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many things that you can learn that you can just apply directly in video games. Because what you're doing in video games is you are creating simulations of universes, yep. right? With specific rule sets that you came up with. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a stellar cross-disciplinary yeah. field. So there's there's never any end to the, get, the types of things that you can learn. And so I think my advice 
for, especially for a younger person, but it really applies to anybody is you should really just kind of take joy in the fact that you, that you are learning to do a thing that is so all encompassing that you just get to keep learning awesome shit your whole life. Yeah. Everything applies. Everything applies. And so like, I was really bummed out because uh, Sam and I went to speak to a, uh, uh, like a game dev class one year. And they were showing off their final projects and we were invited to go and sort of give feedback and evaluate these final projects. And one of the students went up and was showing his game and he said, and, and it was just very rough looking, like the mm-hmm. color palette was really harsh on the eyes. Um, it was kind of an MS paint job kind of a thing, you know? And, uh, and he came up there and he specifically made the point to say to the rest of the students, he said, I hate art. So I just didn't really bother with it. Um, and so he made his game and he's, he just decided, he just decided that he just wasn't going to enjoy or care about this particular part of it. Right. Which and is an interesting defense mechanism that, that most people use where a thing that they are not good at, they just decide they hate they it. They decide to hate instead. And then that's why they continue to be bad right. at it. It's not because... Yeah. And this, this is a, this is a thing called self handicapping, Yeah, which is a, it's a psychological defense mechanism that people use where I think we maybe have talked about it in, in the past, Seems but, it's, likely. but it's uh it's that same thing that happens when somebody goes, like somebody doesn't study for a test, mm-hmm. right. And they go and they take the test and either they fail and they go, well, it's just cause I didn't study yep. or they, and so they have a reason. Also, I hate English. Also, I hate English. So or whatever. <laughs> right. So they have a reason for getting that F and it's, and it's exactly as they planned. Mm-hmm. So really they were successful cause their plan came through. Yep. Right. Uh, or they actually get a decent grade on it, in which case they're just a genius. Yep. Right. So you win either way. Didn't even study. They don't even like it. And still. Yeah. Because this is like a, this is a prisoner's dilemma situation where, you know, if, cause the other alternative is you actually apply some effort and the possible outcomes are you get a good grade, which is great because you put forth the effort, right? But you would have felt good about it if you had not tried and gotten a good grade. Mm-hmm. Because right? we're, we're also taught that the, that, having done something really well is more important than the work that you put in to get there. Right. So that's why people are always giving accolades for being smart. Yeah. Instead of <laughs> working their asses right. off. Right. And so, so either, so you study hard and you do well, which is good. Um, there's a possibility that you could have done well without studying. Right. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you study hard and you fail or you get a worse grade than you hoped. In which case you have to confront the, problem that you may not understand this as well as you thought, Mm -hmm. or that you didn't put in as much work as you should have. Well, there's some other factor. Maybe the test was unfair, you know, whatever. But the fact is you tried and you, and you didn't succeed, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a hard thing to deal with. And so it's easier for people to just not try, right? And, and declare that they're not going to try and just sort of swim in the garbage, right? And so this is kind of, this is the same scenario of, of this, this student coming up and declaring that they hate art. Now they definitely weren't going to put forth an effort. And that is why their game looked hideous because it's exactly as they planned, right? Mm-hmm. They needed it to look hideous because they wanted to make a statement about how much they hate art. Mm-hmm. But really they should just be embarrassed about how shitty of a game. They yeah. Play. And then they're making everybody else look at it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to look at that. That's offensive. Yeah. So I think, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to making games, the, the attitude that you should take, well, I mean, this applies to everything, but the yeah. attitude that you should take is you should just relish the fact that you get to learn awesome stuff 
You get to learn new skills and and be okay with the fact that there's some things you're going to be bad at for now, right? Well, don't, no, like, you're going to be bad at everything when yeah, you start. Like, and and don't, and don't necessarily, I'm not saying like be okay with being bad at things, but just understand that that's the way it is until you put time into those things. Yeah. And don't just announce uh, that you are bad at them and that's just the way it's always going to be. And don't announce that you hate that thing and then just use that as, an, as a crutch to perpetually suck at it, mm-hmm. right? Um, use those as opportunities to, you know, find your weak points and learn and improve. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, even Joe, you see this programming all the time too, right? I mean, I, I see now that I've been using JavaScript almost exclusively for my day-to-day programming. Uh, the thing I see super frequently is people complaining about how much they hate JavaScript. And I did when I started it cause I found it so baffling. Um, yeah. but I read a bunch of stuff on how to use it the way that it was designed and, you know, what it's kind of design intent is and how different it is from other languages so that I could actually use it as it was. And now it's a really fun, expressive, awesome language to use. And now I see all these other people doing what I did, which is they, they're confronted with it. And people do this with game maker language too. Oh yeah. yeah. They say, they look at it. It's not, it doesn't do what they Are already know. Yeah. So now you hate it. So they hate it. And now, now they now, begrudgingly. <laughs> right. And then they use it poorly. And then now, and refuse to learn how to use it properly. And the whole rationale for this is that that thing is bad. Not I'm doing a bad job at because I was doing a bad job of JavaScript. Yeah. Because it's, That's I mean, it's easier I to blame it. the other thing. Yeah. I mean, you pick up a hammer and you miss the nail and you're like, fuck hammers. Yeah. No, it's yeah. like you just missed. Because there are better tools <laughs> for certain jobs and you should always strive to get a better tool. Yeah. But you should never blame the tool. You should always blame yourself. Yeah. Or, if you're, or if you're so fucking brilliant, <laughs> make a better tool. Yeah. You know? Jeez. Yeah. Anyways. Smarty McSmartpants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my coffee's empty. So I Is think. Mine? Oh, man. I think, yeah. uh, I think we're, we're done here. Uh, so we'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard. Uh, normally at this point, we'd thank our studio wrangler, Monique, but she is away. She's not wrangling this week. She didn't wrangle us. We we self-wrangled. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to thank ourselves for pulling this mm-hmm. podcast episode and together. specifically give no thanks to Monique. Yeah. For not helping. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> specifically this week. Uh, but seriously. Uh, Money's great. Money's though. great. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and also, we'd like to thank the B-Scotch dev team for continuing to be you know jamming in the other room, building stuff and making cool things while we're in here hooting and hollering. And of course, uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners for coming back every week and listening to us uh, have a little honky tonk. Mm -hmm. And also, we don't advertise this show, so we depend completely on word of mouth and good reviews on various platforms. Uh, So if you want to help us grow this show, let your friends know, tell your grandma, tell your dog's grandma, and uh, go to wherever, wherever you can rate this thing. And then do that. And put stars, put some stars on it. Yeah. As many as will fit. Yeah. Hopefully five or more. Uh, So thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week. And of course, if you want to get your questions on next week, hit us up at podcast.bscotch.net. All right. Peace. Goodbye.